0: kiddos are asleep, so I thought I would grab this opportunity to um, dive into the next section of chapters. So we're up to chapter Genesis, spare sheets, chapters 6 through 10, and I wanted to do a little bit of a recap of where we left off. Uh, in our first episode, uh, we left off about um, to get to Noah, Um, and really what ends up happening at the end of this section we learn some genealogy and um, there are a couple of things that we find out at the end that are key things to take with us into the next couple of into the next section of chapters one one little interesting thing is that in this section of chapters uh, at the end of chapter five Noah is actually prophesied to be the one who's going to save the people um so this is something that happens before uh, we really even get into his story uh, but i think that that's really interesting that that's that's one of the things that we leave off with another thing that we leave with is in this genealogy we learn about Enoch um and something that's very interesting about him that I just wanted to um bring just up just as food for thought is that you learn all of the folks before um everybody dies you see Jared uh dies um We see all of these generations, Um, but at the end of Enoch's life, which really wasn't, um, well, he only lived to 365 years old, uh, but he, it says that he walked with God. Um, And he was not, because God took him. So everybody else died. Uh, you know he doesn't actually ever die um, and so there is definitely some mysticism uh, that goes along with that and just the idea of like what happens to him and that there's something about him that was super special um, where before he passed God uh, took him so did he become an angel like how does that work um, but what happened to Enoch? so there's a lot of there's a lot of mystical stories there so I'll that it's just a very interesting thing, just a tidbit there. and also he is the father of Methuselah um, and Methuselah is, I believe, the person who lives he's like the second oldest person. So like Adam is the person who like is the oldest when he dies, and Methuselah, I believe becomes number two. Um, so it's some strong lineage there. Uh, So that's just a very interesting place. So we end uh, chapter five. Noah is 500 years old, and he has these three boys, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And um, we're about to go into what happens. Um, It's not so great. Um, All heck has broken loose on the earth. Um, that people have, you know, taken the uh, commandment to be fruitful and multiply very seriously. That is happening like crazy on the earth. Um, but here we learn about these creatures, Nephilim. So they are like, so backwards, going backwards, there's these like mystical creatures, angelish people, um, beings—I should say, the bene Elohim that are walking on the earth, um, and they're not doing that great um, of things. They um, were very attractive, and they had their way uh, with human women and the offspring that they had um, were called Nephilim so we know that they're giants they seem to sort of uh, they seem to be like demigod kind of like Herculean kind of folks uh, they become the legends and the heroes of people um, but this was not some that's not what God wanted um, when it seems that that was not uh, going according to plan. And so, you know, this is displeasing to God. um, And it just makes God, them, uh, make the decision that people have to go. Like, this is now, you know, if we think about it now, we're up to maybe like a, we're, we're going to be ending another creation, right? Because if we think about the fact that the first time people are created, um, man and woman are created both from the dust of the earth, they're both created equal, that doesn't go very well at all. That doesn't go very well. They have to be separated. Um, There was Adam, there was Lilith. Lilith goes off and she does her own thing. She becomes a demon. She ends up like, Given birth to a whole bunch of babies. Um, Adam, he goes through his stuff, creation of people again. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's our plan, but it doesn't seem to go according to plan either uh, because even when woman was supposed to be created, the Isha was supposed to be created from the Ish, uh, that, I mean, she ends up being the one who leads him down a path So I'm sure that there's some sort of a feminist story there. Um, It's also curious that Hava, or Eve, is actually the first person that God talks to. God doesn't talk to Adam. God, like, sees and, like, he makes animals and he, like, gives him dominion over animals. But there's not a conversation there. When um, it's in the Garden of Eden, God approaches Hava. And asks her like, "What's up? What is happening? Why are you dressed?" Um, and so that's very interesting. Um, again, just you know, just a feminist lens there. Take uh, take of it what you will. Um, so that they're banished. They're going off, um, and um, then there's a murder. <laughs> right out of the gate, um, and so it's like already that's sort of like the downfall of man, like right there from the beginning, that there's something about the creation of people, um, where people are inherently flawed, um, and so that's also very interesting, if we're creative uh, in the image of God, uh, what does that mean, uh, that we're imperfect creations? Is that part of the design? Is that part of the free will? Um, So, just something interesting to think about. Um, And um, yeah, so that, you know, that happens. The first kids that we see, uh, one of them is murdered, and the other one is like banished to give, to like wander the earth and he'll never have a home. And um, he is so aggrieved that he ends up and according to the Zohar, he ends up uh, when he's wandering and he's lost his spirit or his own neshama. Ends up attracting um, a shade, a s- demon, uh, and he ends up fathering a whole bunch of kids with this this demon creature. And um, this is one of those things where I mentioned in the first chunk if you're into mysticism, or you haven't really learned a lot about mysticism, it's where um, you see the names and those genealogy lists matter because you see the name Tubal-Cain and you see the name Nama. Um, those are two of the kids that are born, uh, birthed, born. I mean, Cain did not birth them, but he's the father of these two kids. And, um, they're actually demon children. Uh, their mother is a demon. It's the spirit, uh, according to the Zohar. These are this, this is the spirit that was attached to him, to uh, his babies. Um, and um, yeah. Na'ama actually becomes one of the queens. There's four queens. Uh, there's four shade uh, queens, shade queens, and she that mysticism surrounding her name is very interesting uh, as a sidebar it's very interesting she's very interesting because she um, is supposed to be like really beautiful and she attracts uh, the attention of these two um, Shadeem and she ends up like having kids with one of them uh, so a lot of demon babies because if a human and a Shade have babies it's the whole thing uh, maybe I'll explain it in another podcast But they uh, end up having a lot of babies and they love her and they are so attracted to her that they end up like teaching her uh, their shape shifting secrets. And she's actually able to like shape shift between a person and an angel looking being, and that makes her so beautiful. Uh, But people are not supposed to be able to do that. Um, So this is like all leading up to all of the things that God makes this decision. We've got to stop all this stuff because we have all of these mystical beings. You have angels that are sleeping with women and creating Nephilim and you've got these great legend human demigod kind of people walking the earth. You have demons that are having babies all over the place with people and um, they're being given these magical powers that people are not supposed to have. Uh, so she ends up becoming like the queen of a shade by accident or as a punishment, uh, as the story goes, because uh, God wanted to hold her up as an example. so he takes the two shadeim who he who had been fathering children with her and teaching all of that and they they're like banished to this dark place, whatever, and she was actually supposed to die as a person, but He uses her as an example, and actually immortality is her punishment. So it's very interesting because these are definitely stories that I did not learn (laughs) uh, this way, and um, it's just very interesting because otherwise uh, you would just skip all these names. It's just like you get to the it's like the genealogies or transitions between like you know that one person's story is going to end. These are their this is their, these are the generations that they created, and now you know that that's a segue to another person's story, which is the way it goes because after that you've got Noah. But the names actually can have some significance um, because they're introducing characters that we're going to see later on, um, in the story. Uh, later on in the story. Later on in the Tanakh, all of these people come back, they're introduced, so it helps you connect those dots. And also, if you're into learning about learning that like reading stories from like folklore and the Zohar and other mystical sources. These names also have significance in that realm of our tradition also. So it's just very interesting, but back to chapter six. Um, So in the this next chapter, we see all of this, and this is the setup for this is why like you know, I used to read this story, and I'm like, what did the people do? Like I don't understand like why um, the earth had to be wiped out. Uh, but this is why um, because people are just like living, you know, giving into all of their earthly desires. And what we see here is that it's not just people that are wiped out. It says all the, of the flesh that I have created uh, will be wiped out. So there must have been some, maybe there was like crossbreeding animal stuff going on too, because the decision was made that everything had to be destroyed um, off of the face of the earth. So um, that's very interesting. So then we are introduced to Noah. And he is a person who was described as being unblemished. And so the way I understand that is that his bloodline is still pure. Nobody, like he has not, and like his people, so to speak, have not been mixing with any of these mystical beings, unlike just about every other person on earth. Um, and so his bloodline was still pure. Uh, and so that's very interesting uh, to choose to center a story because if we think about this historically, uh, this is not—they're not Jews yet. They're not—he's not an Israelite. He's not uh, like he's just a dude. Like he's, you know, he's a pre-person, <laughs> pre-pre-Israelite person. Um, and so we have. And we're about to go into part two because I'm going to have to put somebody uh, to sleep. Uh, on. One moment. And we're back. So, um, where we left off was that we're learning that uh, Noah is, like, his bloodline is unblemished. Um, he's not part of all of this. And, uh, and so he's chosen as he was prophesied at the end of chapter 5, to be the person who's going to save the humanity, I guess. Um, And so we see he's given the directions on what he needs to bring on board. Um, It's interesting, if you haven't really thought about it, uh, that, you know, we see the stories culture and movies and we read in, in books and such um, that all of the animals are brought on two by two but as you see in chapter seven it's not actually two by two um, the animals that are pure there are seven pairs of each of those animals uh, and it's the impure animals that are brought on in pairs um, in male and female pairs and so this is uh you know I've read various commentaries on it. And I think that it's likely that um, they had to eat something while they were on the ark. So the animals that were allowed to that they were allowed to eat um, the clean animals, the pure animals, those were the ones that were brought on seven pairs so that they had food to eat. Um, there was no procreation uh, that was paused. That was, I guess. I guess you can call that a miracle. Uh, they weren't allowed to procreate. The animals we were not allowed to do that. So there were no, there's no breeding. So bringing that on, I'm like there's no death. there was no breeding. What they ate, who knows? That's not in a... here. Um, but they were brought on. Um, so seven pairs of an of the pure animals, um, two of the impure animals, and. So we have these directions. Um, one more like mysticism thing is that um, it said that Shadim two were also um, brought in at the 11th hour uh, before the door closed, before the cabin door closed uh, two Shadim uh, just made the, made the ark, And uh, it's very interesting. Uh, if you think about that if you think about that like mystical idea that in order for humankind to start again you had we had to have shady be part of that mix uh, so that's just something more spiritual to think about um, what that means and what those implications are that that was necessary um, yeah, so it's just very interesting to think about. There's also a story in um, this book by Gertrude Landau, which the name like flies out of my brain right now. Um, but there's this picture in this book that's trailing the arc when the door, that when everything was all sealed up, was um, one of the nephilim and was riding a unicorn. Uh, so there are folktales from Eastern Europe uh, that also uh, have ideas and carry on some of this mystical stuff, too. So it's very interesting. Um, So now they're on an arc. The arc is closed. Seven, you know, 40 days. uh, Well, they were there for, it rains for 40 days and 40 nights Um, in this. If you are following the imagery, that we saw uh, in the creation. This is the part, so we remember that the sky waters and the sea waters were separated on that first day. Uh, so what seems to have happened is that the the I guess that firmament that was created to separate them was pierced so that the waters could join again and the the um, earth. So it's interesting because you see that all of the everything was uh, wiped off of the face of the earth. Uh, what does that mean about the ocean? Um, I've thought about this uh, a little bit. Like there were beings that were in, we see this, uh, you know, I'm staring at this book right now <laughs> about magical and mystical creatures in uh, our tradition and um if you take those stories and like layer that on top of it there's like a whole domain of um, in the sea and it seems if you're following the ancient near east uh, religious beliefs that were happening in all of the tribes around where this where our people came out of um there are other gods <laughs> that are, being, are still being worshiped at this time is still, you know, God is a God here um, at this time that Noah is living in. And so it's very interesting. Like maybe one of those stories is that um, God just lets the sea take over, like those gods, like those creatures that I mentioned before, the Leviathan, the Rahab, all of those sea creatures took over and got to wreak havoc on the earth and destroy the earth. So it's just a very interesting thing um, to think about. So then it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, and everything is flooded on the earth. Um, It takes 150 days for the water to recede um, in that time. So we have that, that's happening. Um, All of this is happening and God remembers, let's check in with Noah and um, God builds an altar. So that could also be why there's seven, seven pairs of pure animals, because it seems that like, at least here, there's some anim- animal sacrifice that's happening. Um, he um, sends the birds, right? So he sends a raven, he sends a dove, um, and all of these four signs, because I guess, you know, at that time, God is, making things grow the the vegetation is coming back to the land again um, and they knew that uh, there was at least land so the olive branch comes back and knows that you know if we're thinking about that right so now here's this time this like time warp again where uh in that time so 40 days 40 nights 150 days for water to recede like the time we're like it's almost a year by the time we're getting off this boat um and it becomes clear that you know there's trees there there's enough dry land for trees to grow if there's an olive branch it must have leaves on it so there's a lot of like if you're thinking about that there's a lot of that time is is being spun again in that godly way and um he gets the go-ahead to take everything out uh, Noah then, like, builds an ark I mean, he sorry, he builds an altar um, and this is the way he um I guess pledges fealty uh, to the to Hashem uh, and, um, so we have that that happens, he starts to till the land, uh he starts to work the land he grows a vineyard so there's more time that is past passing um and god again establishes that noah is going to have dominion over like everything um that everything um, can be used for food um and so there's plants he's just like so i imagine that Sometimes when I'm reading uh, the Torah, I have this vision of God being, like, the good place, if you've watched that show. <laughs> like, there's this, like, Ted Danson character um, that is just, like, figuring it out and saying, like, okay, so we're going to try this again. And um, here are the rules. And so he... um Giving like he establishes this covenant, so from this we get the Noahide laws. Um, we know that the sign of the covenant uh, is the rainbow. Um, so like he gives the rules, like these are the rules for you, your lineage, um, and promises that all flesh is not going to be wiped off of the face of the earth again um, by a flood. So. That's also important, that I will not flood the earth again. Um, So that leaves the door open for other ways, but there will not be a flood. Um, And maybe it's because, you know, creating the the earth is, it's a lot of work. Um, And so we have that. We see the rainbow as a sign, like his signet stamp, I will not destroy the earth by flood again and this is the sign of my promise going back to that twilight after day six before shabbat starts the rainbow being one of those according to the zohar uh, is one of those magical mystical objects that was created so here we've used one um and so we go up here's the here's the thing, here's the the Noahide laws are gonna, um, they're introduced, um, and after a long day till in the field, work in the vineyard, um, Noah passes out drunk, and in comes his youngest child, sees him naked, um, and that is a sin, um because he sees his father in his shame, and instead of covering him like his brothers did, he told his brothers. Um, And here we see that it's not directly him that is punished, it's his son. Um, So there's a lot to say about that, because that becomes a thing that we don't do later. uh, That the son will not suffer the punishments of their parents. But that's not a rule yet, so um, we have um, that, his son is cursed and we learn that uh, Canaan is going to be a servant to his brothers um, and that his his generations uh, will be in servitude, so that's interesting. I will not delve into it um, too much, but I've also read many things um, across my path, and this is actually one of the things that some folks uh, historically in uh, American history, for example, this is one of the things that has been used to justify uh, American slavery in that there are folks who tie Ham because in this, one of the punishments, um, I'll unpack it at the beginning of the next section, the actual wording, but one of the punishments is that Ham's skin is darkened um, and um, they use that as a justification that like the lineage of Ham's line um, are dark-skinned people. They then become slaves. They're cursed by God um, to be servants to the lines of the other brothers. So that's one of those things um, that folks have historically used to justify um, chattel slavery. So it's just interesting thought how both the texts that can be part of that is part of the rich tradition of several different religions has also been used and twisted um, to do harm to other people. And I think that we see that a couple of times. And during all of the, (laughs) as we go through the text, there are going to be quite a number of those um, moments that we'll see uh, where these passages are used to do harm um, and hold other people down. So, with that, uh, we learn that Noah lived, so after the point of the flood, he lives 350 years um, uh, for a total of 950 years, and then Noah dies. He's tired. He's done a lot. And then we transition into chapter 10 which again, um, looks like it's one of those, it's another transitional moment. Uh, Noah's story is that uh, he dies, we're, we're finished with Noah. Uh, so it sets up his genealogical record, which means that we're about to transition to another story. Um, that's how, uh, the, how the Bible was redacted. So we're about to transition. So we get some genealogy, uh, there's no, there's no like shade names hiding here that I know of, um, but we also see that Ham's children were Cush and Egypt and Put and Canaan. Um, and so, Cush, also, that is one of those derogatory names that comes up later. There's Cushites, uh, it's a group of peoples, um, and so we see that in modern times, actually. People have been called Kushi and things like that. It's a derogatory term for people with brown skin. So all of that. And so when if we're thinking through that lens, uh, for a moment, that lens is that contributes to um, some of the implicit biases that we have, uh, because if we're learning it right here in the text and we're learning it like that, and then it is seeped into our lexicon, um, that doesn't come from nowhere. So moving forward, so we have a whole bunch of names. Um, we have uh attributes that are um so you know we have some other things that are powerful right and Kush fathered nimrod who became a powerful hunter um, so these are all attributes that are lauded um, uh, which is great because this is an unblemished line so you know we learned that it was the Nephilim that were having babies with humans and that was creating like these like like demigod hero people Um, but this is a person who has achieved you know that kind of a status all by himself just being a person um, which is probably a lot more favorable uh, to the creator Um, so we have all of this we see lands that are created as people are scattering the earth Um, in this you'll see some names of schools you'll see some some interesting things um There is just more uh, lineage here, more genealogy, um, but I think that it's important here in chapter 10 verse 31. Um, So you'll notice this language here that talks about that ends each. It's in 20, it's in 31, so this is something new. So instead of just saying these are like the generations, notice the wording here that says, these are Shem's children um, or Ham's children by their families, by their languages, in their lands, by their nations. Um, so I sort of think that that's one of those things where, where it's a setup um, for what's about to happen in the next set of chapters because um, chapter 11 is going to start. Um, So that language piece is going to be really important um, because it seems that everybody's speaking the same language uh, and that's a problem. So uh, that is the cliffhanger that I will leave you on. And in our next session, uh, we'll tackle chapters 11 through 15. I hope that you have enjoyed uh, learning together. Hopefully there's some new things, new thoughts that you have had. And I cannot wait to hear about them. So post them on, uh, like, post, you know, put a message up on the blog post. Uh, send me a text, a voice message, whatever. Let me know uh, what you're thinking about. Until next time.